0: A start On demand.
1: On demand. It's cold today, but starting tomorrow, much warmer. The champ is here! Carrie Anerson joins us after winning her second Scotties in a row. Film and TV production almost one year after COVID. What's being made locally? Angus Reed says the NHL's All-Canadian division is a hit with fans. How do you feel about the North Division? We've got our weekly visit with Bob Irving and Snow Shoveling Misadventures. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Monday, March 1st podcast for the start. Good morning, it's Monday, Mackling, <laughs> McGarry, and McNabb, and the the not just the long-term forecast, but the immediate forecast. And we're going to get some more details on this from Environment Canada in our next segment. But this forecast has uh, put a rather large smile on my face when I see things like... Hang on a second. What do we got here? What did they say for tomorrow? Five degrees, zero. We got some threes, some fours, eight, nine degrees. Do I hear double digits? It's nuts. The snow is going to
0: be gone by the end of the week. Maybe. What's the proverb, Loren? March in like a lion, out like a lamb, or vice versa? I think we'll take the lion today, yes?
2: Okay, but now we're coming in. We're, no, wait, today's cold. So do we call this the lion today? Yes. And then, whew, we're cutting it close, though. You <laughs> might argue that it's kind of like a lamb turning to, what is it? There's a beetle. There's like a giraffe. <laughs>
3: There's no know. Beatles, there's no dress. Lions and you and
2: lambs. Know, it, I, I love, I feel like I crossed this line at some point over the weekend talking to some friends, kids that are all outside skating. I'm so proud of them. It's freezing out. They're spending like four hours outside, you know, skating and all the rest. And the amount of time we talked about the weather, and you know, March always brings a storm. And I was like, when did I get this old where I'm like talking about March storms and all the rest? But it's true. It, it, I think we'll still see some more not great weather in the weeks ahead.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not saying, when I say that snow might be gone, I'm not saying it will be gone forever. No, I know. No, it's, I know. But can't, and that's the thing, that, like, it's, it, I want to get excited. And I know the puppet, the puppet said in early spring, right? That's true. But that, yeah. it's 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 easy to get look at this forecast and get excited. But, uh, like, I remember there was one year, this was several years ago now, seven or eight years, maybe longer where golf courses were open on St. Patrick's Day. But that was it. It was like they were open for a day or a couple of days, and then it cooled off again. And then much of April was kind of
0: lousy. I think we had that. Uh, Might have been the same year, March twenty sixth or twenty seventh. It was twenty six or twenty seven degrees. I actually opened my pool, and cleaned Come it, on. and had in it in all- March at the end of March. And I can't remember what year it was, but it was twenty six or twenty seven degrees. Uh, either for a day or two, and I was able to fill my pool, clean it, get it ready. We didn't swim until May long weekend. <laughs> there was no changing that schedule, but the pool was clean and ready to go. Wow. Yes, that's neat. Uh, I'm going to have to do some digging on what year that was. It might have been the same year. the like golf okay. courses were open by St. Paddy's Day.
1: So we'll have more on the weather. Environment Canada going to join us live in our next segment. And I know that uh, I, I stayed up late watching the Golden Globes. Greg, you stayed up late watching the Scotties. Uh, what time did that finally wrap up?
0: 1030, too 10, late. 1035. <laughs> Did you, Did stay, you up
2: stay up for to a Oh, I went to bed at nine, got up at nine-thirty, like, I can't go to bed. I think she's going to win. Uh, I think Manitoba and, and Team Canada are going to pull it off. So I went back to bed. Then I came out and like, my husband's like, make a, make a call here, man. Like, you're coming in and out of that room. I was like, I can't. I'm so, and then I think I just fell asleep in the eighth right near the end of the eighth end but it was all looking very good from her from the start uh her they were they were
0: in the zone so to speak great oh yeah i would agree with that uh the fact that rachel holman's team stuck with team canada and carrie anerson i think was a testament to just what an incredible team they are because carrie anerson and her rink had no problem reading the ice last night it was a little bit tricky in particular near the end of the game but rachel holman I was having great difficulties figuring out weight and where to put the broom down for shots. So it was 10.22 when I texted to the group, yay, Carrie. So... Yeah, it was up until at least that amount and celebrating a tiny little bit.
1: So we're hoping to speak with some members of the championship team a bit later on at 9.35. And while you were up watching The Curling, I stayed up to watch The Golden Globes. I said, I'm only going to watch an hour. I'm going to watch one hour of The Golden Globes, and then I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock. But, of course, I had to stay up and watch an awards show, which largely consisted of shows and movies I've never even heard of, like this Nomad Land that won best drama. Never heard of it. And I'm one of the couch potatoes. <laughs>
2: So well, that makes me feel better because that's been my turn off for so many of the award shows. You know, you and especially now in a pandemic, it's hard to watch them because they're not in the there's no audience or there's minimal minimal audience. It's just not the same. You don't have all the acts and all the different things that at least is part of the entertainment value of the show. But increasingly I'm just like, What what streaming service don't I have? Like I can't figure out where these shows are being made and how they're being watched, but man, it goes to show you, Brett, how much content is out there. If you, who watch more shows than I think anyone I know, and I mean that in a good way, it's part of your job and you like it, if you don't know it, what's that mean for the rest of us?
1: Yeah, I mean, this was such a bad, like, not bad, but this was a tough year for, for movies. Yeah. Like, they're still releasing movies, but most places, theaters aren't available. And where do you even find some of these movies? I am curious, uh, you know, I am going to look up some of these. Like, I think the movie that uh, Chadwick Bozeman won for... Uh, Ma Rainey's Bottom. I think that might be on Netflix. I'm just pulling that up right now. His wife, by the way, gave the speech of the night. Mm. Uh, it was so touching, and it was one of those moments where, like, it, it was the it was the show-stopping moment where everybody was getting yeah. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's on Netflix. But uh, it was, everybody was getting played off. The music was blaring like within 10 seconds of them beginning, but she came on and gave such a touching speech. But uh, yeah, most of this stuff, there's just too much. Like even Te- uh, Jason Sudeikis won for that Ted Lasso mm-hmm. show where he plays a soccer coach and Euro- he's a football coach, but he goes over to coach European football. And apparently it's amazing. He won an award for it, but it's on Apple TV. That's the one big streamer I don't have that I've refused to sign up for because I just I can't sign up for every streaming service, Greg.
0: No, it starts to add up very quickly, doesn't it? In terms of your monthly commitments, if you've already got the cable, you've got the Internet that you're paying for, and then you Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Apple TV. there's four services right there, and I don't think any of them are less than eight bucks a month. So no. it, it's, it's a, a hit to the pocketbook, so you have to be strategic, Loren.
2: But, you know, uh, talking about it also being a bonus at 737, we're going to speak with Kyle Irvin, Irving, sorry, uh, just about local film and TV production here in Manitoba, because as we're watching more and considering how many services we should be signing up to. So what's being produced right now? And in his opinion, you know, in so many ways, content has never been more the demand for content has never been higher. We're all at home. We're all looking for something to do. We're all ready to, I'll I'll try anything right now. I used to say, there's no way I'm watching that. No, thank you. I won't do it. Now I'm like, sure, I'll give this 15 minutes. No, it's a documentary about honey. Wow. Who knew? Honey is very interesting. (laughs) Like I've been there because you're like, that's where life is right now. And so I'm very fascinated to see how things are going in Manitoba. Film industry is, it's a huge part of our economy. It was a growing part until the pandemic. Where are we at right now?
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I spent a lot of time on weather apps. I I don't know if it's just a Winnipeg thing, whatever. One of them is the Weather Network, and they've always got interesting videos on there to gobble up your time. One such recent video is titled, Laugh or Cry? Snowplow Destroys Teen's Work as He Watches. It was taken in Noblesville, Indiana. Back on uh, February 15th, we see this teenager having just cleared a path on the driveway Standing there, proudly looking at his work And then this plow drives by And rebuilds a wall of snow At the end of the driveway Disgusted kid first just drops the shovel just in total disbelief the shovel just falls out of his hand to the ground so he picks up the shovel and then throws it in the snow then he picks it up again and throws it again and walks away all while his dad is filming it and no doubt laughing to himself so if you want to see it by the way go to our 680 CJOB Instagram we would love for you to follow us there it's on our story Uh, I also tweeted it out at Brett McGarry if you want to follow me on Twitter and now let's talk snow shoveling misadventures for your chance to win two tickets to the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park on until March 28th. We got Jeff Braun here. We got Jeff Fortier and of course Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Jeff Braun, did you ever have to shovel a path all the way out from
4: Altona to Winnipeg? Uh, No, I never had to do anything that dramatic but uh, I do remember the best one ever was when I was a teenager uh, big snowfall and my dad and I were shoveling the driveway and uh, these neighbor kids that we didn't really like They're really, I don't know, I'm not going to get into them. Anyways, one of them comes over to help a shovel, which is really nice. And then his brother soon came over to also help shovel. And as soon as they started shoveling, my dad just said, oh, I got to go check something inside. And he went inside and 10 minutes later, he's still not out. So I said, oh, I got to go see what dad's up to. He's laying down on the couch. And I said, what are you doing, man? He's like, let them shovel our driveway for us if they're going to do it. (laughs) So we just sat in there and (laughs) had some hot chocolate (laughs) while these other neighbor kids did a half hours worth of work shoveling our driveway and right as they were ending we both went back outside and like oh you guys finished it all right thanks a lot that <laughs> was just, it was so awesome and we and those guys had no idea that they got played by the brawn so masterfully as they did. wow <laughs> never trust a
1: brawn is that the and, message here no
4: it's not because my dad is not that kind of guy at all like that is the one time i saw him do something kind of sneaky like that and it it blew my mind i couldn't believe it so i was like yeah i'll do that with you dad (laughs) it's a father-son bonding moment for us playing villains of the neighborhood
1: (laughs) and did you develop
4: a
0: reputation as being the villains no 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 we we got away with it clean man that sounds shameless it sounds like something william h macy would do (laughs) unshameless
3: forte what about you uh, actually, it was the first snow that I had to shovel in my apartment, not in my apartment, on the balcony. Oh, no. I, I told Brett the story a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, so it was uh, the first, the, the snowfall that we had, the October storm of 2019. And so I didn't really know where to put the snow. So I would shovel and I'd put it into a bucket and I'd take the bucket and dump it into the bathtub. <laughs> Thinking it's such a great idea, you know. There's going to be no snow. It's going to be clean. It's going to look great. So I finish shoveling the entire balcony, and I go into my bathroom, and I'm looking at the bathtub, and it's completely full of snow. So now I'm going, okay, so uh, i got a bathtub full of snow. What do I do? So, you know, I turn on the hot water, and honestly, it took probably half an hour, 45 minutes to, to get rid of all the snow. And then once the snow is gone, the bathtub is completely dirty, Yeah. so now I've got to clean the whole bathtub. So <laughs> me thinking this is going to take me, you know, a 15-minute job took to be like an hour and a half, two hours. And I felt like an idiot, so I don't do that anymore. Now I wait until late at night, and I take the snow, and I just flick it off the, the balcony <laughs> when nobody's uh, looking.
2: Well, I was going to say, what is? what are you supposed to do? Wouldn't it just? I mean, I know you don't want to throw it off to maybe not hurt or cover someone below, but that's a lot of balconies in the city. Like, what is the actual... I'm sure there's a bylaw for that that's going to ticket you if you do it wrong.
3: Yeah, well, now, now I, I push to one side of the balcony, you know, leave it there for a couple of days, gets hard, and then I flick it off when <laughs> nobody's looking. Yeah,
1: they told What's me, when I moved into mine, they told me that I'm responsible to clear the snow, and I said, well, where am I supposed to put it? And they didn't really give me an answer on mm-hmm. that. I think they just, it was almost like a... Like a blind eye situation. I, that's sort of the impression I got. But I haven't had to worry worry about that. And for whatever reason, my balcony seems to be sheltered uh, from snow. So there was just like a, a half a centimeter maybe uh, over the weekend. What about you, Mackling?
0: Oh, gosh. Back, I think it was the winters of 2009, 2010, I actually cleared snow uh, to help pay the bills. So I'd get up in the middle of the night, did some... Uh, customers with uh, big parking lots had a truck with a plow on it, and then would, after the sun came up, would go and do some driveways and whatnot. Well, I was also doing radio at the same time, and one Friday night, I left the house at eight p.m. and at eight a.m. I was hung up on a snowbank, and I had to be here for eleven o'clock, where to pull apart to our studios to do a show at noon. And I thought I was going to be late because I couldn't find a tow truck to come and pull me out. And so I ended up running into the into the radio station about 11.30 and my get up that I would wear for going out to clear snow. I had my big boots and my snowmobile suit and everything that I needed. And uh, that was the only time I was almost late for work because I was clearing snow. And Loren?
2: Oh well, I, you know my the memory that always stands out is that most kids dream of that snow day, right? Which was super rare when we when we were younger. I don't know how often it was canceled in terms of uh, cold, but you wouldn't be able to get the buses down the down the lanes or certain highways because of snow. Except for we were on a farm, and of course, there's always some sort of instrument for that. And you just as you were listening to the radio, and be like, "Yes, yeah, snow day!" You'd hear the rev of a tractor. And there comes Dad with the plow on the end of the tractor scraping the lane. You'd be like, "No!" why are you clearing the lane and then you just say hop in you're going to school and sometimes it was by tractor and you'd be so you're like no one is gonna be there dad like there's gonna be eight kids there well you'll be one of them so there you were just annoyed that he had too many too many ways to get the snow cleared for you rather than just leave it like just let us be you know
1: so text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win two tickets to the Zoo Lights Festival at Assiniboine Park. And this email from Ian is great. One day in the 60s in Hamilton, there's a snowstorm. Three teenagers in the house normally our job. However, my dad had to go in early that day, so he had just finished clearing the drive, opened the garage, and started the car. When the plow came around the corner oh. and plowed him back in, he was furious. Oh, and the reason he had to go in early? He was in charge of the snow-clearing operation for the city. <laughs> Right now, we want to continue to tell you about what Marnie Blunt has been sharing this morning, how there are boil water advisories or do not drink orders for dozens of First Nations communities right across the country. And while the federal government has poured millions into the issue, many Canadians are still unable to drink what is coming out of their taps.
2: Or in the case of what Marnie Blunt's been talking about, they also fear what's coming out of their taps, even with assurances that things might be okay. And so we're going to share a bit more of her story in a moment. But first, we want to talk about what this investigation has brought, because the Southern Chiefs Organization, which represents close to three dozen Manitoba First Nation communities, it's now calling for an inquiry into how the federal government has been handing out these major infrastructure projects and reviewing them, because there has been this joint investigation by Global News, APTN, and the Institute for Investigative Journalism, and it's found a number of examples where First Nations said they were forced to select the lowest bidder for their water projects. They got little say in what was going on and and since then they've had to deal with cost overruns, delays, maybe shoddy infrastructure and in some cases racism.
5: The fact is that until First Nations are in control of their own
6: futures as it relates to planning around water and just infrastructure overall, whether it's housing, school systems, recreational facilities, you're not going to get a return on investment that you should. All infrastructure.
2: The Southern Chief's organization proposed its own regional water authority, but says federal officials have not offered them much support.
4: We don't even have the funding in the bank yet. We have on paper, we
6: are committed to working with you. That's what we have. But there are project plans.
2: Indigenous Services not Minister no Mark Miller disputes evidence and testimony uncovered by Global News and its partners about the harm caused by the department's low-bid policy.
1: There is a value for money policy proposition in any procurement process that follows best industry practices, but this isn't about going with the cheap option. Uh, It's going with the option that suits the First Nation.
4: At
2: the same time, the minister admits federal policies are rooted in racism and need to be changed, but he doesn't know how long this will take. Krista Hesse, Global News.
0: So throughout the day, you'll be hearing more about the issue on Hollow Water First Nation. It rests on the east side of Lake Winnipeg, about 217 kilometres north of Winnipeg. About three years ago, the federal government invested $9.5 million to upgrade its water plant. While most homes, including the school, were connected to the main water line, about 50 homes still have to rely on cisterns or holding tanks. Lisa Raven says hers hasn't been cleaned in years and she refuses to drink water from it.
2: I think in Hollow Water, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who actually drinks the water because they're choosing to drink the water, not because they have to. You know, going to buy water is a choice, you know, and um, whereas, you know, for us, it's, it's a way of survival. <laughs> Because who's going to want to, you know, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to drink uh, the water that's in our holding tank. I don't even give like our dogs. So that was Lisa Raven saying she doesn't even give their dog that water because she's so concerned. And we know there are many communities on in First Nations, as well as maybe even rural communities where cisterns are are pretty common. But research does show that they are at higher risk of developing bacterial toxins if they're not cleaned properly. And as part of this series that Global News has been working on, uh, we also spoke to Shirley Thompson, who is a professor at the Natural Resources Institute at the U of M. She's an assistant professor. And she says they not only need regular inspections, these cisterns, but they need cleaning. And as far as she can She's concerned that's not really happening. This is a cost-effective measure for government in the short term, but the long-term costs are enormous in health impacts, in bacterial, in uh, viral infections.
1: You can read more at cjob.com, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. We've linked the story to our 680 CJOB Instagram story if you want to find it there. And of course, Global's Marnie Blunt will have more on the news tonight, Loren, at 6.
2: Yeah, and I think this is all, you know, it's it's a good read for all of us to talk about how this is happening because there's a process accus- accusation here, Greg, in terms of the process for these low bids and how that system may, uh, we have heard last week, you know, may have some, be deeply rooted in racism in some cases. And, and so that's been problematic. Uh, when you hear that, The government might say that boil water advisories have been lifted in communities, but not everybody is drinking that water. We should be asking questions about that. And then overall, still, here we are 2021. There's a promise to eradicate this problem in this country. Well, we can't do that if the system itself is inherently flawed. And so there's lots of questions that have emerged as a result of this investigation. I don't know if we'll ever
1: see an inquiry on it. GMAC, you uh, had some stuff that you wanted to weigh in. Yeah,
0: because I have some questions here as well with regards to who owns these cisterns, who owns the property that they're on, whose responsibility should this be to clean these cisterns? Because I've had at least one text message, Loren, from a listener who says, hey, I live in a part of the city where we don't have water, and it's my responsibility. If I want clean water, I have to have uh, water in my cistern and have to clean it out and maintain it. Well, you own that property. That's your home. You have, a, you have an asset there. Well, on First Nations, unless something's changed in the last 20 years, as far as I know, the people living on First Nations don't have any right to own that property. And secondly, even when they're in a situation financially to make investments that, they, that First Nations want to make to make things better, they, you wouldn't believe the rigmarole that they need to go through to spend sometimes their own money very quickly, about 20 years ago, helped uh, First Nation in Alberta build their own internet service provider and phone company. And every time there was money that needed to be spent over a certain threshold, they needed to get permission not to spend federal money, but their own money to make these investments. And unless things have changed dramatically in the last two decades... That might be part of the issue here is is control of these systems and these investments and the ultimate responsibility to take care of them.
2: Right, and then money. So you're given money to upgrade your system so that you can connect most of the homes, for example, on hollow water to the water treatment plant, but 50 homes are not connected is there additional money then to ensure that those cisterns are cleaned and maintained properly? And that's part of the equation too. So there's not just the responsibility, but then just the cash flow there. And so w- one of the questions that's kind of frustrating in all this is that that community then gets lifted, listed off the boil water advisory lifts according to the government, because yes, it now has this plant that sends water to most of the homes, but the 50 of the homes still have cisterns. If those cisterns aren't being maintained properly, if there's not money to maintain those cisterns coming to that community, then people are still boiling the water that's coming out of that cistern. So, as far as I'm concerned, that community is still living in a boil water advisory. So, there's there's still more questions to be asked here about, about that community in general and how it's working for them or isn't working. Uh, and it's, you know, we heard this a few weeks ago when we talked to one of the reporters behind this, and it's kind of a numbers game that they're playing in terms of saying, yep, this community is good to go now. Well, no, if you're not drinking the water that's coming out of your tap, then you wouldn't be saying you're good to go.
1: McGarry and McNabb, the keys to the game. Jets back in action tonight, so we'll have the keys to the game coming up for you just after 8.10 with Cameron Poitras. And Bob Irving joins us at 8.37 for our weekly visit to look at the weekend that was in sports, which included, of course, the big win for Kerry Anderson at the Scotties. Question of the day at cjob.com is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, movie theaters are not on the list of businesses that could potentially reopen in the next phase. How anxious are you to go back to the movies? 82% said, I've adapted to home entertainment. I will probably go less. 18% say, I'll be there in a flash. There's still no experience like the theater experience. That's where I would count myself. But as it pertains to the Golden Globes, you know, the Golden Globes were last night, and I'm one of the couch potatoes. Me and Jeff Braun, Saturdays at noon, Sundays at 6, Weekly podcast. We watch a lot of TV. We watch a fair amount of movies, but we are it's a side thing, so it's more of a, a hobby, but we do watch a lot of stuff. I'm watching the Golden Globes last night. I see this movie called Nomadland wins best drama, and I know it's been a weird year for movies, but even I've never heard... Of Nomad Land. I haven't heard of half of the stuff that was nominated, and that's kind of become like an increasing thing with these award shows. Whereas, as much as I try to keep up on, it's just impossible to keep up with all the TV shows and all the movies out there because there's just so much content to consume, Greg.
0: Yeah, and this is a good clearinghouse, I think, a good opportunity to watch these award shows and maybe build a to watch list. And I think that's what they're hoping you will do. After nine, we're going to speak with Global's National Online Super. Supervisor Chris Jenselowitz, uh, for to talk about this and, and some of the big winners at the Golden Globes. But whether you watch that award show or not, odds are you're watching more TV and movies perhaps than ever, but for sure this year, right, Loren?
2: Oh, I think that would go for so many of us. I, you know, I get that screen count on my phone about how many hours I've spent on my phone and some of that's work, but some of that is just scrolling through different shows and whatnots, right? And so we're all looking for ways to be entertained. The demand for new and more importantly, original content is huge. And for local producers here in Manitoba, there's opportunity to be had for sure. But of course, there's also this pandemic and obvious challenges. In fact, Manitoba was the only province to shut the film industry down twice as part of its restrictions in the past year. As we speak, production companies are able to get things going once again. Kyle Irving is our guest this morning. He's a partner with Eagle Vision, which currently has three shows in various stages of production. Good morning, Kyle.
6: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, thanks for waking up early. I don't know if you stayed up late to watch curling or Golden Globes or none of the above, but uh, I know you've had, you've had some ups and downs over the past three months. Tell us what, what have you been able to do in terms of production uh, in these current round of restrictions?
6: Well, you know, we had uh, we had, I think, an instrumental role in, in helping to to design the back to work safely um, guidelines that the entire industry followed, and and that allowed uh, the provincial government to open our industry back up. So, uh, back in 2020, um, in late August, we started production on our series Burden of Truth, season four. And we also were lucky enough to produce a feature film that'll be out next year. And, and so we almost did 100 days of shooting during the pandemic, which was terrific because, you know, those are important shows for us. And um, we delivered on both of them. Now, we were in final stages on both shows when the second shutdown happened. And fortunately, we were able to get an exception to finish those shows. Had we not, it would have been disastrous. Uh, but all things considered, uh, during 2020, uh, we fared fairly well and, and have been able to finish those two shows. And now the industry is reopening again, and um, we had you know, several things waiting to go, and, and, and we've uh, ignited those projects, and they're off and running now.
1: What are you hearing from U.S. and other like, offshore productions when it comes to returning to Manitoba to film here?
6: Well, we're, we're lucky because, you know, principally our, our uh, business model is to do Canadian content productions and to do stuff that we develop internally at Eagle Vision. But a huge part of the industry here for Manitoba is tied to the service production industry and, and the shows that come in from away, be it from the United States or other offshore uh, com- uh, countries. And, I mean, the, the appeal for them coming to Canada is, you know, multi-tiered. It's, uh, it's you know, the quality of the crew, the locations, the accessibility, and of course the tax credits. Um, and, and historically a huge draw has been the Canadian dollar's value against foreign currencies. So right now that part of the business is really challenged because we were shut down twice and the only province to do so in Canada. And so if you're uh, a foreign investor, looking at Manitoba as a potential destination for content, um, it, you have to take pause in making that decision because when you look at the other regions that didn't shut down, British Columbia is booming right now, uh, more production than they've ever seen historically ever before. We're talking about you know 70 shows shooting there right now, $2 billion in production. Uh, Toronto booming like never before. Uh, tons of shows there you know some of the big american series and 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 big blockbuster films are all shot there um alberta's thriving they actually you know ran some marketing campaigns to suggest that you know the pandemic's happening but we're still open for business um so you know all of that happening while we were shut down is is going to do some damage to our reputation and and, and you know have an impact on on the risk management uh, considerations that foreign investors have
0: well, let's hope, Kyle, that Manitoba can overcome some of those challenges and, and remind producers and investors that, hey, this has been a pretty good place to do business for the last decade or more. Across the country, Netflix is announcing that it's opening a Canadian office and there's a bill before Canadian Parliament right now, which might make a big difference to producers like you. Can you fill us in a little bit more about that?
6: Yeah, so, uh, you know, everyone uses Netflix as, the, as the, the the standard term for the streamers. You know, it's like, you know, Kleenex is the, the term for tissues. You know, there's other streamers out there, and we all know them, Amazon and Disney. And uh, so it's Crave, for example. All of those platforms in Canada historically have not been regulated. And as you guys know very well, CJOB has a broadcast license with the CRTC, so two do Canadian broadcast companies. And so there's an obligation uh, for CJOB, for CBC, for CTV, for anyone who has one of those licenses, there's an obligation to adhere to certain terms that are regulated by the government. And those terms include Canadian content, contributing to the production of original Canadian materials, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of those big streamers we talked about are, com- are completely and have been completely unregulated. And so they have been able to come into Canada and-, and share their content with Canadians, but give nothing back in return to our Canadian culture and our identities. And so that, along with the fact that they haven't been paying any taxes, um, has been a great concern for a lot of people for a while. And so now, finally, the Canadian government is doing something about it. So uh, Netflix uh, opening their office in Canada is a real sign that they have accepted their fate, which is that they are going to be regulated in Canada. They are going to have to contribute back uh, for the billions of dollars they take out of the Canadian consumers. And what it means for Canadian independent producers is there's a new place for us to create content and show content. And so, you know, we anticipate there being hundreds of millions of dollars of new revenue from those streamers going to Canadian content producers for new content that will stay in Canada and be owned by Canadians.
2: That's a huge part of the...
6: For many years, we've we've been like a factory making stuff for other people. Um, And and we've been trending in that direction. This is going to give us a chance to make content that we own and for the world to see.
2: And, and on that note, Kyle, before we let you go, yes, we, we are in a pandemic. We know there are challenges here for sure. And you mentioned Manitoba was the only province to shut down twice. And so that may have sent the signal we didn't want to for people who might be coming into the province to produce. But with this change, this bill before Parliament, with the possibility of more content being built and staying in Canada, how optimistic are you about the future? We were just talking about it feels like there's more con- demand than ever before, uh, e- even with this pandemic, how are you feeling about the possibility all of this combined brings?
6: Well, people consumed a lot of content during the pandemic. I mean, everyone knows that, you know, one of the top conversations is what have you binged lately? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, the content that the streamers and that the Canadian broadcasters and American broadcasters were holding in reserve is all gone. So there's a content shortfall. You know, it's it's straight up supply and demand. There has never been more demand for content than there is right now. So for independent producers, uh, that provides a huge opportunity. And for Manitoba, I think the memory will be short for the, the double shutdown and the pandemic. Our deal here is too good. The, the friendliness of the Winnipeg and Manitoba people towards the film industry is, is too attractive. And I think, you know, it'll be back booming here again very soon and you know at the end of the day even though it was the provincial government who for you know whatever the right reasons are shut us down twice they've been incredibly supportive of our industry they see the opportunity that's there it's a huge growth industry and for manitobans who are looking for new opportunities or their first opportunities in 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 business and industry in, in in jobs look to the film industry we need more of you because historically our biggest shortcoming has been our lack of labor, not opportunity.
1: Kyle Irving is a partner with Eagle Vision, which currently has three shows in various stages of production, he joins us live on CJOB. Kyle, thank you very much for this.
6: Yeah, thanks, guys. Terrific. Have a good morning.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, you know, in Game of Thrones, the North, we're very proud to be part of the North. And they wanted everybody else to pretty much stay out of the North. Leave us Northerners alone. Well, it seems that uh, Canadians, Loren, are quite fond of the North Division.
2: Yeah, this comes from a poll by Angus Reid that ask Canadians how they're feeling about this Canadian division and whether they're even watching more hockey in general this year, because there might be, as we just heard in our last segment, you know, the demand for content period is way up. So that might be through streaming services. It might be through cable. It might be through sports. And so it found that one in three hockey fans, that's about 32%, believe the season has been more exciting with Canadian teams going head to head each night, while... One in five, so 19 percent disagreed with that, and then the rest say they don't really care. And among the hardcore followers, the people who watch all the time, 52 percent really like what's happening, and then 26 percent said it's actually made the game less exciting. So there's actually also some numbers about the Leafs. I don't even want to get into that. You know, top choice, <laughs> yeah, blah blah blah, bop. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of that, finding it, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, Greg, because there's lots of people wondering, am I going to watch more? Am I going to get bored of this? How am I going to feel? And it looks like it, it's trending in the right direction, at least for this season.
0: Yes, and I think it's the hardcore fans where this is most popular. So, uh, you know, on the surface, when I, I read the headline and the first few lines of this study, I thought, oh, boy so much for the old complaint that the CFL is unpopular in some locales because of how few teams there are in the league nine CFL teams seven Canadian NHL teams and of course the season this year is essentially you know almost three times longer 18 games in a normal CFL schedule 56 NHL games this year so I was thinking oh yeah we could throw that out but it's the hardcore fans who really enjoy this format and even even them who are enjoying it as much as they are are saying yeah maybe not for the long term maybe not forever and ever amen But for this year, I'm really enjoying it. And the notion of these four-point games every single night and the rivalries, all the reasons that uh, you could point to as to why these games are more exciting this year, I think uh, there are lots of uh, benefits and lots of points to be made. But even for myself, as much as I like it, I'm missing uh, the Jets playing the Penguins and the Rangers and, uh, of course, our regular Central Division foes who have become our most heated rivals.
1: I will point out that, uh, according to this poll, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the no. top choice to break Canada's near three-decade drought no. of winning the Stanley Cup. do
2: not say that. I cannot handle that. I already got a kid who's got two sets of Leafs pajamas and sweaters, and I'm not doing it, man.
1: One it's quarter been of fans sense. say Toronto is the team to Could eventually you? break the streak.
2: Forche, pod that mic right on down <laughs> on the Gary there.
1: Forche? <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. G-Mac, you just said to me, okay, I'm going to try something I haven't tried yet since we moved downtown to the 30th floor here. You
0: made it. I made it. I was low on fuel. I was sort of feeling like I wasn't going to get through the morning staying up late to watch a certain sporting event. So there is a Tim Hortons in the bottom of the Richardson building. And normally I'm a proponent of an open portage in Maine. I'm glad I had the concourse <laughs> today because I didn't have to put on a jacket. I sprinted over, got my steep tea at Tim Hortons back in about nine and a half minutes. Wow, that's
2: bold. That's a bold move of you because you got you got you don't know how long that elevator may take yeah. and how busy it will be, and then mm-hmm. you got an escalator, the doors, you, you got to... That is slippery, I've discovered when I've worn certain, shirt, certain shoes True. in that concourse. I'm not joking. It feels like I need to throw sand down in front of me, like my own little salty machine that I'm just going to run through the concourse with.
0: Well, I'm very happy that I uh, made the bold move, so to speak. Uh, I'll have energy for the next uh, hour and 23 minutes.
1: Well, and just you're invigorated on the, the mere fact alone that you made it back. So that probably provided you with the adrenaline shot that you needed. The steep tea is just a bonus. Also wanted to read this text here from Rob. We've been asking you to text us at 204 204- 780-6868 stories about snow shoveling misadventures for your chance to win two tickets to the zoo lights at assiniboine park that's on until march 28th listen to this this is clever stuff from rob first time texter by the way rob says back in november 2018 i had bilateral knee replacements done so i was laid up for quite a while in early 2019 when i was walking around with crutches Well, the snowplows are coming by to clean the streets and I have a pretty wide driveway. So I would take my crutches and a shovel (laughs) and hobble down to the end of my driveway and the street with a shovel in hand and crutches under the arms. Well, the first thing that happened was my neighbor came out to help me do the driveway. But I told him to just stand back because the plows are coming. And when they see me with my crutches, they're going to shovel or with my crutches and my shovel, they're going to clean it for me. Sure enough. Second plow and front end loader came by and my job was done. I still do this by the time by the way from time to time when
0: I know they're coming by. <laughs> <laughs> Is Rob's last name Braun? No that story we heard from Jeff Braun a couple of hours ago. Very crafty. Is that the right word there, Loren?
2: I think so. Little, I think that's pretty clever. Yeah. Clever, crafty.
1: Although Rob, we do need to give you a heads up that one of our most loyal listeners, Eve, uh, is often behind the wheel of such a plow. So <laughs> the gig may be up. <laughs> Hopefully, we haven't outed you here, Rob. But thanks for sharing your story. That's a contender for the winner. So we'll you have till until nine fifteen to get those stories in. In the meantime, it was the perfect way to end. 10 days where at least one Manitoba curling team played in every single draw of the Scotties tournament of hearts in Calgary. Five Manitoba teams began the championships, Manitoba base teams. And in the end, it was a Manitoba team coming out on top in the immortal words of Cactus Jack Wells. Well, it turned out nice again.
0: Yes. And I would say another legendary CJOB voice would have been glowing today. Bob Picken, who was synonymous with curling reports and play-by-play on this radio station for decades, would have been delighted to tell us that Gimli's Carrie Anderson and her rank claimed their second consecutive national curling championship with a 9-7 win over Rachel Holman of Ontario. Let me give you some uh, boasting uh, facts here, some reasons to brag. It is the eighth title for a Manitoba-based team since 2005 and the 10th for a Manitoba-born skip in that same time frame, Jennifer Jones, of course, won as Team Manitoba in 2005, 2008, 2015, and 18, and as Team Canada in 2009 and 10. Chelsea Carey skipped on behalf of Tracy Fleury this week, won with Team Alberta in 2016 and 2019. All that said, Loren, it is Carrie Anderson who is once again on top of the women's curling world.
2: Yes, and I'm assuming that they're sleeping now. I don't know how late you can stay up when you're in that kind of bubble that they were in, but no doubt they were at least celebrating in their hotel and their rooms, and we're hoping to speak with the champs in about an hour from now. We're working on that, but in the meantime, Bob Irving joins us to discuss this and, of course, other sports happenings from the weekend. Good morning, Bob.
5: Good morning, you guys.
2: Well, I I have to say I, I struggled so long to stay awake to watch that game last night, but was so pleased to see the results in the end. Quite the clinic by Anderson last night.
5: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I watch a lot of sporting events, and, and the only ones I really get nervous watching are these curling events where I'm cheering for a Manitoba team to win a national championship. And I was at the edge of my seat last night because Anderson was in control of that game. Uh, and then the Ontario team, Rachel Holman, mm-hmm. stole two in the ninth end to tie the game. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, they're going to find a way to come out on the short end of this, but they made some great shots in the 10th end and, and walked away with the victory. They're really an outstanding team. You know, they were the Canadian champs last year. They were among the favorites and near the top of the list going into the Scotties this year. They're just so solid from top to bottom. The interesting thing about them, and it always has been, and people who follow curling know this, the four members of their team were all former skips. Uh, Val Sweeting, Shannon Burchard, and Brianne Mayer all skipped their own teams, and then the four of them decided to get together and form this unique team, an all-skip team, as they call it. And someone like Mayer, who had been used to calling the shots and throwing fourth stones, had to kind of lower her sights and play lead and and be one of the lead brushers, which is a lot of hard work. Anyway, it's worked out beautifully for them, Uh, you know, top to bottom. They're outstanding shot makers. And you know what? They look like they're having fun on the ice. And this is serious stuff. You know, we, we kind of think it's all amateur and it's not as important as the Jets or whatever. But for these curlers, this is vitally important. They won $100,000 with that victory last night. And yet, as they play this Anderson team, you know, they're able to laugh and joke around. And so they're just a joy to watch. And I was, I was very happy for them.
0: You know, I didn't really care for him when he was curling, Bob, but Russ Howard has become one of my favorite TV personalities. The way he uh, comment, commentates on the curling is absolutely fantastic. Along with Cheryl Bernard, they're outstanding and giving some insight to the game. And really, I would think it was after the sixth uh, end that Russ said it's unbelievable that this is even still a game because of how dominant Carrie Anerson had been in that early part of the game. And it wasn't until that steal late that you even had any question who was going to win.
5: No, that's right. As I say, they were in control all the way. And let's remember they were playing Rachel Holman's team. And, you know, Holman's won three Canadian titles. When you talk about the top women's curling teams in the country, Jennifer Jones, Rachel Holman, and now Carrie Anderson. Uh, you know, there's not a lot to separate them all. So, and I like Russ Howard's work too. He and Cheryl Bernard. And of course, Vic Router is the, kind of the voice of curling on TSN. and has been for a long time. It's just... It's fun to watch, and, and it's a slow-moving game, so the analysts get lots of time to talk about the different strategies and what might happen, what should happen, what they would do if they were calling the game. You know, you don't have to rush in and make a comment. You got lots of time to talk about it, and that's one of the great things about curling
0: hopefully not lost in the celebration for Carrie Anderson's team, is the fact that the her second, Shannon Burchard, will have her name inscribed on the championship trophy for the third time in four years, and then, of course, back-to-back. Back. Let's uh, flip the page quick to the Jets here. They're preparing for games tonight and tomorrow versus Vancouver, Bob. This after claiming two wins in a row over Montreal, including that 2-1 win in overtime late Saturday night two other games uh, where they won back to back against vancouver four in a row how do you feel about the term ugly win bob and does that apply to saturday night's win for the jets
5: it sure does i called it a steal on twitter they stole that game they were badly outplayed by montreal but connor hellebuck as so often has been the case in the last few years uh, held them in and he was the reason they were able to pull away for that two to one overtime win but You know, they can't play like that very often and expect to win. Now, you're going to get outplayed sometimes and steal a game. So that happened on Saturday night. But the Jets are going to have to be better in their own end going forward. Now, having said that, they are 13-6-0-1. They won four games in a row. They're third in the North. They're only a point behind Edmonton and seven back of Toronto. They're having an excellent season. Two games against Vancouver tonight and tomorrow night, and then they head off on a grueling series of games, I think 14 of 16 on the road after tomorrow night. Looking good right now, but that game on Saturday night is not one that they want to copy and play very often because you won't get away with winning those very often.
1: Meanwhile, it was a final round full of red shirts yesterday at the World Golf Championship Workday Championship, uh, Florida. Tribute to Tiger Woods and his tradition of wearing red on Sundays. Uh, Colin Morikawa claimed the championship as he continues to do some Tiger Woods-esque things on the PGA Tour. Uh, he, He just turned 24, so he joins Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Guys like Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas as the only players to win a major championship and four or more PGA Tour wins before age 24. So, Bob, are you prepared to declare Morikawa as the player to watch at the Masters coming up second week in April?
5: Well, he'd be one of them. He's one of the terrific young players out there, Brett, and there's so many of them now. Uh, he, but he certainly is one who you have to watch. But, you know, any tournament that is played, in particular the Masters, were. Uh, all of the top players are it's it's so hard to pick a favorite you know Kepka, Spieth, Justin Thomas who's not playing great right now you go on and on and on there's probably 15 or 20 or 25 who are capable of winning any week maybe even more than that but Morikawa is certainly one of the, the great young talents one of many on the PGA Tour I don't think there's ever been more good young players on the PGA Tour than there are right now.
1: Tiger Woods, by the way, did issue a statement saying he was really yep. touched by all of the, uh, the tributes. A lot of guys didn't wear his colors, but they had his initials scratched on their hat, or I think some of the guys had it on their golf balls. So it was pretty cool to see the, all the, the, the red shirts and black pants out there on the course. Bob Irving, thank you very much. Pleasure as always, sir.
5: Okay, you guys. My pleasure.
1: Of course, Manitoba announced last week, the province announced, that they are looking at further loosening of coronavirus public health orders. They are asking for your feedback at engagemb.ca. You've got until 9 a.m., by the way, to fill out the latest survey. GMAC, have you done the
0: survey yet? I've not, you know. Uh, I I think it's a great idea for the most part um, to ha- let people have their voice. Loren, I've I've said that I wish that we had more opportunities to voice our opinions directly on government policy. But at the same time, I when I do take a look at the questions, I feel as though they're steering me in a certain direction.
2: Yeah, I'm actually just now trying to log on and I can't remember my password shocker, but I think that's because <laughs> under this survey thing, it came in like an MB9 or 64 to dollar sign exclamation point or something <laughs> insane like that. So I am, I'm going to go on. I'm more, as you said, I'm curious about the questions because it does sort of sometimes feel like that the, the decision maybe has been made. And when you read some of them questions, it's like, well, you're already telling me that you're looking at 50%. That's what I read here. Um, but I'm wondering what people think period, because these are typically been weeks we've, we've become used to this right, Brett? We have these surveys. We wait for the press conference or the news conference to tell us what the reopening is going to look like. And then, of course, there's that magic date on the calendar, in this case Friday, for that next phase of reopening. And personally, I don't really feel a lot on there that's going to change anything for me. So I'm less engaged in this engage MV survey
1: yeah for me I would like to see I'll take the survey just so I can actually add the, the my own comments at the end uh, for example I want to see the golf dome reopen I just want to swing a golf club and I know that they have just been hoping and praying to see that open I know that uh, part of the proposal would include allow things like uh, indoor go-kart tracks To open. So, uh, our friends over at Speed World will at least uh, be able to take advantage of that. I mean, 25% capacity. And as well, uh, for me personally, I I understand the reasoning behind the restaurant uh, household only rule. Because if you go with, you could put, if they, if they remove the household only rule, you could go with friend A to restaurant one on Monday and then friend B to restaurant two on Tuesday and so on and exponentially increase your contacts. But at the same time by saying, well, we'll open it up to 50% capacity, but household only, that does nothing to help the restaurants. Like I was at King's Head on Friday. Now, granted it was for lunch. There were 15 people in, in the King's Head uh, out, uh, aside from staff, 15 customers, 15 patrons, if you want to put it in. A- master's terminology, Greg. And every single person there was sitting individually at their own table. And um, I don't know. I just, I think the household-only rule for restaurants. Like, show me the science. Show
0: me the proof that the restaurants are the problem, and then I'll get on board. Well, that was our question to Tony Swicky last week. What has the province said about why this is the rule and why they're keeping it place, in place? And Tony said, well, they haven't told us anything because we don't have a seat at the table right now. And that's and that's something else I'd like to see, Loren. It's one thing to throw these surveys online and open to the public and I I know we've had upwards of a hundred thousand people fill them in but how about some genuine sit-down conversations with uh, the genuine stakeholders in the economy to figure out how we can take the next step safely and effectively
2: yeah and I think when it comes to the restaurants is it about the restaurants or is it just about the gatherings and to me at the end of the day they're still saying the gatherings is the problem with with the people that you're mingling with so I don't know I hear what you're saying Brett on do we have information that points to the restaurant and then it being people from different households that's causing the spread and where does that information exist at the end of the day i think you know we we clearly see where this is going and and for me they talk about it being a ton of change happening friday potentially but uh, if 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 the if the household limits the same and you can't go out with other people it feels a lot like yesterday is coming later this week
1: Snow shoveling misadventure texts for a chance to win two tickets to the zoo lights at Assiniboine Park. We got three text messages here, two runners-up, and a winner.
0: Greg, start us off with Perry. You betcha. Well, my snowplow story goes like this. When I was about 12 years old, I had just finished cleaning the sidewalk to the street. I looked down the street to see the graders coming and stood there and watched my masterpiece get filled in. With a deep sigh, I started again to shovel, and as I was wondering, I heard the front-end loader approaching. He honked his horn and stepped back as he cleared my small sidewalk opening again. Wow, I was doing the happy dance, and waved, thank you many times to this driver. I have never forgotten his kindness, and with that, I pay it forward with my own skid-steer loader on my street every chance I can help someone.
1: Right on, Perry. That's very thoughtful of you. Rob has, uh, this is our, one of our runner-ups as well. Rob says, I had a mishap with a mother-in-law in snow. We were, we were planning on a nice brunch with my wife's mother on a Saturday. Well, on the Friday, we got a ton of snow. First thing Saturday, I knew I just would not have enough time to do the whole driveway by the time they showed up. So I shoveled what I thought was a nice walkway for them. Well, they showed up. My wife opened the door for them. I was just inside, covered in snow, taking my stuff off around the corner and I heard her say, where is that useless man who couldn't shovel the driveway for us? Oh, boy. Well, I came, came from around the corner, still covered in snow, and just said, now you can leave. So the monster-in-law left. My wife was shocked and said, wow, that was mean of her. So, Rob, that's a great story. But, Loren, we have another Rob who is our winner.
2: Yeah, last week it was the Shirley's, I think. And this week we've got the Robs. He writes to say, in November 2018, I had a bilateral bilateral knee replacement done laid up for quite a while when I was walking around with crutches the snow plows were coming through to clean the streets and I have a pretty wide driveway I'd take my crutches and a shovel and I'd hobble down to the end of my driveway in the street with a shovel in hand and my crutches under the arms the first thing that happened was my neighbor came out to help through the driveway but I told him to stand back because the plows were coming and if they saw me with crutches and shovel they would surely clean it for me sure enough Second plow and front loader come by. My job was done. <laughs> Rob then says, though, I still do this from time to time when I know they're coming by. <laughs> Attaboy, Rob. That's we said clever was Clever when we say this is clever or crafty. is this kind of crafty, scammy? Is this a scam? I've got some crutches in the garage. I should try this.
0: Clean <laughs> <laughs> your garage, McNabb. <laughs> Let us know.
2: You never know when you're going to need those bad
1: boys. There, you know that. There
0: you go. You're learning now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are hoping... We are hoping, Loren, to hear from the champ. We want to be able to say the champ is here, but maybe, maybe not.
7: Well,
2: listen, uh, first of all, a big shout-out to Team Canada, which is, of course, Team Manitoba, and that is the rink of Carrie Anderson and her amazing team. that We watched curl our way to victory last night, and then she's answering my texts in the early morning, and she's on her way to the airport. they got a flight to catch, and I'm, of course, my job is to harass, unfortunately. So if you got, like, two minutes, four minutes, six minutes, any minutes... Between now and when that plane literally is off the ground, please give us a shout. So we're hoping she'll do so. We know she's busy. And I'm sure tired, Grey maybe doesn't even have much of a voice left after uh, 10 straight days of curling, sometimes three games a day.
0: Well, and uh, we asked her about that about 11 days ago. Excuse me when we had her on the program because Carrie is notorious for her yelling and her shouting directions from the far end of the ice as her rocks travel down or as she's watching the line and and calling all those plays and she said yeah you know I don't know if uh, no fans in the building are going to help that because I'm a yeller and sure enough by the time last night came around and she was doing those interviews at the end of the game she had very little voice left but lots of emotion there I mean let's face it back to back Canadian championships. Uh, It's not done very often in any sport, and when you look at the roster of teams that she had to play and did so well against all week, this might have been the you know the hardest fought uh, Scotties in a very long time. She had to go through Rachel Homan, she had to go through Jennifer Jones' team flurry with Chelsea Carey at the helm, and uh, of course a couple other Manitoba teams, and and the and and most of the best across the country. Though will be folks, Brett, in other provinces saying, "Hey, we didn't get a chance to send our." best it was based this on this that and the other in terms of standings in the on the bond circuit over the last couple of years but it was just a joy to watch and and just i think you mentioned it this morning loren just how and bob irving definitely mentioned it just how happy and the disposition of Team Anderson when they're on the ice, there's something special about that. They they laugh, they celebrate, uh, even in the midst of, of attempting very difficult shots, made or missed, th- there's um, a very likable side to them.
2: There's a lesson there for us, I think, when you watch how athletes react to things and, and you always think, how am I going to be in that moment, right, is my back get all up am i all upset at myself am i frowning and and they're first of all all these curlers are obviously they're on camera but then they're all mic'd, and i think my like you do not want to have a mic on me i mean here i am this is my job do you know how people have said to me how are you not fired already with the things that come out of your mouth (laughs) in terms of just like bad words brett right and so there you are on the ice my god can you imagine in in golf if someone threw a mic on you
1: oh gosh uh I, i i would be locked up I would be thrown, <laughs> locked up and the key would be thrown away. I am so hard on myself. And pro golfers get into trouble for this. Justin Thomas, I guess it was about a month ago. Mm-hmm. He is uh, hes a good golfer and he's a good guy, but he's pretty, you know, he's like many golfers, he's hard on himself and he curses himself when he misses a putt. So he missed a putt and uh, the microphone caught him referring to himself as uh, he used a gay slur. Oh. And uh, he didn't. And he apologized. He fell on the sword for it, and he had people come to his defense and say, "Look, he this is not who he is. He just chose a bad word, uh, but it happens, right? Like, so you got to be careful when you're an athlete, uh, pro, is a professional athlete that because um, the microphone is ever near. But when they're actually mic'd, I think actually it would be easier if you are miked. That's different than, than being in the vicinity of a microphone and not be, because you might not be conscious of the fact. Like, if you have a microphone on your person, like I remember, for example, this was, oh gosh, this would have been 12, 13, 14 years ago. The You know the Easter seals drop zone thing where they rappel down the side of the building? Yeah. Well, I, I did it live mic'd on Charles Adler's show oh, between nine and noon. Yeah. So, the engineer Mike helped rig me up. Uh, With a microphone, and then I (laughs) rappelled down the side of this building on the air, live on CJOB. No delay? No delay. Oh, my word. Well, maybe there was a delay. But I fell off of the building. The first, the first year I did it, they said, Are you ready for some more slack? I said, Yep. This was uh, on the, uh, the Royal Bank building across the street on Portage, the white one. And as soon as they gave me some slack, I just toppled over and my, my butt hit the side of the building. And of course, in any other circumstance, my first word out of the first word out of my mouth would have been something likely starting with the letter F. But because I was on the air and I knew it, that's It didn't even enter my mind. Ooh. I just fell off oh. a building, and all I could think about was, don't swear, don't swear, don't <laughs> swear.
2: Well, then maybe that's how we should be living our lives, like we constantly have our mic on us, uh. and we might just all be better people for it.
0: Well, that's one of the things we remind our kids, I know, is that uh, don't send out a tweet, don't type anything, don't text anything that you don't want to live forever. And I think the older you are, the tougher it is to wrap your head around that notion of that living forever. The kids seem to be getting it, but you still catch them doing things you shouldn't. I can't believe you managed to stifle or redirect your brain to a more polite word. I would have been in really big trouble. I think it just
1: came out like, whoa, and uh, I had to, <laughs> and anyways, uh, I'm upside down. I am upside down. My my mom was down in the street watching. She was panicking. Uh, (laughs) My legs are pointing up in the air. It was so much
2: better that your mom. That is cute. She came (laughs) down. Well, if he's going to die, I guess I might as well be there for that.
0: Brett doing his own play by play. (laughs) Totally immersed. Uh, How would it be if we had Blake Wheeler all mic'd up and he's like, "I'm going down the left wing. I'm gonna. I'm looking for Shifley. Where are you, Shifley?" (laughs) God, that would be fun I think that would be fantastic that would be Never gonna happen.
1: layer of immersion I often
2: thought that. it would be better if we just all did life like we were curling just a yes yes no 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 yes
0: Go! Go! Hard! Every inch. (laughs) Every inch. Oh, it was so exciting. And, of course, Jennifer Jones was in the tiebreaker game Mm. on Sunday morning, and she was in control of that game against Laura Walker of Alberta for the most part, and then just sort of... You know, I don't want to say she fell apart down the stretch, but the scoreboard would indicate that. I mean, Jennifer Jones, one of the, if not the greatest uh, Manitoba curler of all time, she's in the top two or three, men or women, and so it's been a long. It was a long week for everyone in that extra game, but you know, Jackie was like, "Oh, I'm upset. I'm disappointed. I'm like, hold on here. Jennifer Jones a owes nothing to anybody. She's. It's not like she's a, a, an athlete." Uh, in the same sense that Blake Wheeler or, or Adam Big Hill or some of these uh, the bigger names, Andrew Harris, in Winnipeg sports, she's out there. She's representing her team. Yes, she's wearing a Manitoba bison on her back. But I, I, I was just disappointed for her. Yes, I want her to win so badly in all the Manitoba teams. But to me, you can't get mad at them for losing. I think you can only do is be disappointed in the fact that they, they lost and disappointed for them. I think there's a different mindset when you're, when you're cheering for, for the curling teams versus the pro teams.
2: Oh, I see. So you're making a uh the curling versus like the professional million dollar paid athletes. Because Correct. I would argue that Jennifer's name would be bigger than both those names you mentioned for many Manitobans if they saw her. She might get uh oh, asked I think for many autographs no matter where right. she goes. But I hear what you're you're talking more just about on a paid sense. Like she's not she doesn't she doesn't get paid the amount. To put up with any sort of anger or abuse from fans, right. Compared to right, some of the and pro she, she
0: doesn't market herself as "We are Winnipeg" or "For the right. W," right? That, that's right. that's a very um, individual pursuit, and yeah, to be mad at her for losing the same way <laughs> you get mad at a at a at a Bomber loss or a Jets loss. I don't know. There's a line there for me, and uh, it just uh, it's such an incredible sport. Could it be the most perfect TV sport? It's just fantastic for television in my mind. Oh, that's an interesting question. Because I prefer curling on TV far more than I do going to watch it in person. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's not even close in my mind.
2: Mm-hmm. It, I do like going in person because of you know if it's the Briar, the Briar Patch, and or the Beer Gardens, but that's not what you're asking <laughs> no, right now. No. So I think yeah, because there's a couple things at play. You're it, the ups and downs of every game make it really fun to watch. It can be you can it's not like you're, you're you are screaming at your TV, but it can also be relaxing depending on the game in terms of watching. They can show you multiple games right they do a split screen and show you what's going on on sheet two or three or four um plus you can have the whole like you can it's the it to me i last i'm a terrible curler and i but i love being like oh i don't know know
0: second guessing those
2: shots i mean i would go for the takeout (laughs) here it looks like the stick and roll i i mean go for it if you want carrie but uh (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the beauties of the sport, watching on TV, the strategies involved. And I was commenting earl- earlier how good uh, Cheryl Bernard and Russ Howard are, uh, along with Vic Router who's more the play-by-play guy, but just how they get inside. And the saying that I love, Brett, is, is they ask the question, would you ever— <laughs> and they, then they throw it out would you ever consider going here instead of there and then point, counterpoint as to why I would never do that or maybe why I would and just the whole ability to dissect the shot and the strategy before it takes place there's really not a lot of sports where, where that's the case where you can play along like that.
2: It's like John King on election night on CNN. It is. This but, happens. But this could go over here. Let's draw in an arrow. Nope. Let's erase that arrow put in another. Let's go to Georgia now
1: Calling an audible. Normally, we got to check the forecast and then check in with Jeff Courier, But the champ is on the line. Carrie Anderson joining us live on 680 CJOB. Carrie, are you on the plane right now?
7: I am not on the plane. I'm just about to go through security.
1: <laughs> well, Loren, why don't you go next and then Greg.
0: Go ahead.
2: Congratulations on a tremendous win, back-to-back victory for you and your team. Uh, you, we spoke to you about 11 days ago, Carrie, and you were teary over the, the win from twenty. 20- 20, now here we are, uh, 11 days later, you're the champion again. Does it feel different
7: compared to last year's win? Um, It definitely feels a little bit different, just not being able to have your friends and family there. It was weird celebrating without them, Um, but it feels absolutely amazing to go back-to-back.
0: Carrie, I, I'm impressed. You have a little bit more of your voice <laughs> left than I thought maybe you had last night. Uh, is there a comparison in terms of the emotion involved? You, you mentioned not having the same people and that roar in the background. But w- when you were or when you were talking to the TV last night, you, you seemed to get very emotional because this this is a little bit more of, obviously of a different time and represents a, a different uh, part of history here. W- was that not lost on you last night?
7: Yeah, I was pretty emotional last night. This is something that hasn't happened since two thousand and fourteen when Rachel Holman uh repeated. So it uh was something that we were really wanting to do. So um yeah, we just oh, we just played absolutely amazing and I'm so proud of my teammates and uh for persevering and pushing through all the challenges that we've had in this last uh year and a bit.
1: Kerry, our own Bob Irving, voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, last hour, he said he one of the reasons why he enjoys your team so much is because you have so much fun. He says it's a joy to watch your team because you're joking around and you're having fun. Is that a a conscious effort? Like, Did you decide as a team, let's just go out and make sure that we have fun, or is it just sort of something that kind of happened?
7: It's something that just kind of happened. We just really wanted to go out and really embrace being Team Canada. Uh, We haven't got to do that, so we just uh, just wanted to have some more laughs out there and not put so much pressure on ourselves
2: Yeah, you bring up the idea of not necessarily being able to represent as Team Canada because of course the Worlds were cancelled last year, uh, Carrie and so this year's that was, that was supposed to be Prince George, you're once okay. again going to wear the Maple Leaf and Thunder Bay next year as Team Canada Is there a World Championship in between that you know of or is it too soon to even be looking at that?
7: Um we haven't heard anything as of yet. Um I'm hoping something good will come out of this for us because uh we've been through so much and uh we're just hoping that a world will happen someday. <laughs>
1: Sorry, Greg's just turning on his microphone.
0: Yeah, sorry, guys. Kerry, uh, uh, you know, I went through the, the uh, list of accomplishments of Manitoba curlers over the last 15, 16 years, and it's incredible. And so when you see your name on, on the list, along with Jennifer Jones and what she's accomplished in this sport and, and, and representing Manitoba the way that you do, just talk about the strength of the game in our province and how maybe it makes all the teams that much better.
7: Yeah, like with Jennifer Jones, she's had, if if we wanted to beat her, we needed to play well, like she has it's, 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 I had to make everyone be better in our province. So um, we've had to work really hard to, for where, to get where we are. And yeah, it's just to be at that level and to be uh, where Jennifer Jones is, like it's it's an amazing feeling and a great accomplishment uh, for anyone.
1: Being one of know? five Manitoba, sorry, Loren. being one of five Manitoba teams in the mix, um, was it intimidating at all? Like as you went through the tournament, like they, they pointed, Greg and Loren pointed out today that every single dra- game or every single draw involved a Manitoba team. So you're the defending champ, but you've got four other Manitoba teams nipping at your heels. So was that <laughs> intimidating for you?
7: Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I've played against a lot of these teams uh, for a long time, so I kind of knew what to expect. Um, and they're a great teams, so but we knew that we had to play well if we wanted to win.
2: So when you win, you, you're in that final moment, Last night, uh, you know, the back to back championship is yours, Carrie. I'm curious because family isn't there and you don't have that chance to have someone come up down to the ice and give you that hug. Who was your first phone call or FaceTime to? And can you share a bit? I don't want to get too much into your private life, but that's part of the joy of watching, uh, curling because it is such a family sport. We didn't get to see that last night. So I'm curious who you spoke to initially and, and sort of what kind of conversations you had.
7: Well, my phone was blowing up like crazy. Um, <laughs> sorry about just that. Like no, <laughs> That's definitely different from last year because last year we had uh, family and friends there. Um, but my first phone call was my husband and my girls. Um, unfortunately, they were already in bed because they have school today. Um, but uh, And then the second phone call was to my parents. So um, it was hard not having them here with me um, to share this special moment. But I know they've been, they're watching and uh, uh, cheering for us and just want to thank everyone for all their support throughout this whole week. It's been a grind, and we are just super excited to uh, represent Canada again.
0: If you were the Blue Bombers or the Jets, we'd be talking dynasty, back-to-back championships. Are you comfortable <laughs> yeah. with that terminology, dynasty, Carrie? I totally am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Kerry Anderson, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just a way to cap off the week yesterday with... Uh, Uh, spectacular championship. Congrats. Thank you so much. Kerry Anderson joining us live on 680 CJOB getting ready to get on a plane after claiming victory at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. This segment, by the way, is brought to you by Polo Park Hearing Centre, your locally owned family-run hearing specialist, conveniently located in the lower level at Polo Park. Reminder that Premier Brian Pallister is going to be speaking at 11 this morning on uh, the Bipole 3 uh, review, along with the... uh, Oh, suit. I'm sorry. Brown's Minister. Thank you. Yes, I was trying to. remember. Which minister is he talking?
2: About? <laughs> yeah, there's been a oh, hey. There's been a lot of news releases. There's been a lot of conversations. Yeah, Jeff Wharton and the and Brian Pallister. They'll talk at 11. And of course, I think you mentioned the update as always this today.
1: That's right. 12:30 with Dr. Brent Rusin. And if you want to fill out that Engage MB survey, that's available until nine tomorrow. EngageMB.ca. That's all the time we've got. GMAC. Have yourself a good Monday. Hopefully, Tuesday isn't as bad as it I've often got, is.
0: I've already got a lozenge in my uh, mouth. <laughs> oh, no, no. <so. laughs> have a great day, you guys.
1: <laughs> Loren, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, buddy. Last cold day. Are you going to get out on a rink somewhere?
2: I'm going out for a walk, and after I have some work training, some sort of acronym <laughs> training or something like that coming up <laughs> shortly, and then, yeah, I'm heading out. I've been committed to a daily walk with my friend, and uh, she's already texted. She texts every morning. You ready? And I always just sigh audibly into the phone. But yes.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think,